Welcome to the First End Orange podcast at the Denver Post. All things Broncos all the time. The first First End Orange podcast of the season. Many more to come. I'm here with Cameron Wolf, also of the Denver Post. I'm Nick Groke. Uh, Cameron, we're at Dove Valley. Uh, are you in midseason form yet? No, no. I'm very, <laughs> uh, very preseason-ish. Uh, you know, I still got to get my kinks out. Had a few typos recently, uh, spelling mistakes. So you know, I've got to, I got to get some reps in to get to that uh, that preseason opener. I'm waiting for the time because there was a miniature brawl today at uh, at Broncos camp. Um, when we start brawling in the press room, then you know it's on. It's, then, then, <laughs> I'm waiting for that day. Exactly. Adam Gostis was talking about his knee uh, the other day, and he said he'll know he's 100% when bodies are all over the ground. That's kind of how I feel um, my level of readiness will be. When bodies are all over the ground, that's when we know we've won. <laughs> when the TV cameras are strewn like across across the press room and everybody's drooling out the sides of their mouth, that's when it's that's when the season's ready. Um but Cameron, let's get let's get into camp right away. Um, let's talk about the most important position battle at Broncos training camp so far, and by that, I mean running backs, not quarterbacks. Running backs. I'm 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 only half joking. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal because this offense, this Broncos offense, they're going to run the ball a ton and a half. Um, to me, I see a guy who is clearly a number one. And a guy who's clearly on the outs. Uh, I don't know if you agree, yeah. but run me, run me through it. What have you seen so far from the running backs, and how do you see it maybe playing out through camp? Yes, yeah, interesting. You mentioned that everybody's looking at how many picks Mark Sanchez throws, or or how many overthrows uh, Paxton Lynch has. But I'm intrigued at who's going to end up being the running backs that are on this roster. Obviously, we're looking at C.J. Anderson and hoping that he can be the guy. But behind him is a bunch of hungry guys looking for their shot. I talked to Eric Studisville, and and he's eager that this will be the identity of the team. Um, he kind of says that's what he thinks every year. But this year, <laughs> more more than ever, uh, you look at that backfield, and you've got Devontae Booker, impressive rookie, fourth-round pick, a uh, guy who fell because of injury concerns, 24 years old, but a guy that is a complete back by all accounts, a guy that's going to come in and he may be, you know, with C.J. Anderson, the top two talented backs on this team. And then you got a guy like uh, uh, Ronnie Hillman, who was actually their leading rusher last year, and Capri Bibbs, Jawan Thompson. There's a lot of intrigue. And honestly, you look at a situation where their leading rusher last year, Ronnie Hillman, could be in trouble as the season comes on, you know, with Capri Bibbs being talked up since the combine. Um, and he's come back a completely different player per Kubiak. And you look at Booker, who's basically a lock. You know, you've got a, a situation where some people are going to have to change some heads and some people are going to be disappointed when Cup Day comes around and their name isn't on that roster list. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the first clue, if you needed one, that the Broncos are serious about running the ball is they drafted a fullback. I mean, so, um, for some teams, that's unheard of. Uh, they drafted a fullback out of Nebraska. and But if, if there's a competition, and I think you're right, I think there's a clear hierarchy. C.J. Anderson is number one. Right. Um, Ran the ball well enough last year. Um, it's early in camp still, but he looks good this year. Right. Um, but let, let's back up. A, let's back up a tick because starting from the bottom, Ronnie Hillman. If we're looking for somebody who's not necessarily impressing so far, um, and and maybe didn't come out of last season with the most favor, it seemed it'd be him. Um, came off came off the field uh, over the weekend 
with a back with a back injury. He got right. lit at the line. Yeah, Zaire Anderson popped him. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, interesting with Ronnie, and Ronnie's an interesting case um, because he's been there for so long. He's a drafted guy from the Broncos. He's sort of a, a stalwart for the Denver team. Um, but you look at him and. Obviously, he tested the free agency market this year. Didn't really get the contract that he was looking for. He was hopeful that it was going to be more lucrative. He was going to get a little bit more interest and ended up signing a one-year, $2 million deal to come back And after CJ got his big deal. So, you know, last year was 1A, 1B with him and Ron, with him and CJ. But clearly, you know, he's not the number two. I mean, he's not the number one. And he may not even be number two. And then you look at him, if he's the number three, can he play special teams? Yeah. And he hasn't played special teams. Not to say he can't do it. Kubiak said he's done some. We haven't seen much out here of practice from that. But if he's not eager to play run, special teams and he's not good at special teams, then you have to look at a guy like a Capri Bibbs or a guy like a Jawan Thompson that may be better fits at that third running back where you may not get a, more than one or two carries a game, but you're going to be counted on them being a key player on all of the punt return and all the kick return and all of the special teams drills. So if that's not Ronnie, then you may, he may have to find another team. Yeah, there's no such thing in the NFL as a third stringer who doesn't play special teams. If you can't do multiple things on a roster, then you, you don't have a place. I mean, you can't, you can't count on <laughs> you can't you can't count on being a fourth string running back who doesn't do other things. Um, are the guys below C.J. Anderson who are maybe on Hillman's level? Are they ready? Are they ready to supplant him? I mean, uh, like you you I mean yeah. you've mentioned them both. You've mentioned right. several, but what 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 are they doing and what do they need to do to get up toward a C.J. Anderson type level? Because if you're not, I mean, they should be pushing C.J. even right. for number one. Even we we might say he's a clear number one, but. Right. They should be trying to push him off of, off of that spot. What, what are they needing to do? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. We look at it as a hierarchy, and we try to predict things. And a lot of times, we're not exactly in that room. Studentsville said all of them are competing for the starting job, and we may think that's silly. Capri Bibbs or Jawan Thompson are fighting for the starting job, but, you know, that's the way he sees it, and that's the way they see it. I talked to Capri, who's been on the practice squad the last two years, and he said, yeah, he's fighting for a roster spot, but he's fighting for the starting job, too. You know, these guys can get hurt at any time. Guys can trip over a shoelace and be out for two weeks, and all of a sudden you're looking at being the starter. So it's not unrealistic for them all to look at themselves as the starter. And then for the guys behind them, the most important guy is Devontae Booker. I think he's more important than even C.J. Anderson in this whole running back scheme because how ready he is, how comfortable the coaches are on putting him in the game is going to determine what they can do with the other backs. If you say, hey, we think Booker can be our number two back that can take a lot of carries and do exactly what we want to do and we don't worry about him doing some boneheaded rookie thing and you know dropping the ball or not knowing exactly where he's supposed to be, then you look at a Ronnie Hillman who becomes a little bit more expendable because yeah. maybe Booker takes those backup roles when CJ's tired and your third running back, you can look at a guy who has a little bit more potential or a little bit more special teams versatility like a Capri or Jawan. Booker's an interesting case because obviously they they invested a lot in him and making him a draft pick. Um, this offense for running backs doesn't seem especially complicated. Run downhill. Move the ball forward, yeah. period, and don't fumble. I mean, that's basically yeah. their call. I don't know. I don't suspect... And, and this is a question for you. Right. Um, I, you know, coaches aren't aren't giving away too much early. But you talk to Studisville. I don't think they ex- I don't think they expect a large learning curve from him. Um, it's not like there there's a bunch of complicated schemes that they need to they, that 
Booker needs to become comfortable with. Um, so if he is able, and I mean, not, and that's something that we're going to have to look at here in, spring, in, in training camp, but mm-hmm. uh, if he's able, he might get thrown in right away. I mean, there's no reason to wait for a running back, a drafted running back, I think, in this league. Um, does it seem like they, at this point, and again, it's early, but does it seem at this point that they have the confidence in being able to throw him in early? Absolutely. Uh, Studentsville, I asked him that same exact question, and I said, when will you be ready for Booker to handle the load and say, hey, we're not worried about that? And he said, right now. He said, I put him in the game right now and be perfectly comfortable. And that's a great sign. Before camp even starts, and you look at a guy like Booker who missed nearly all OTAs with a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So he's still catching up on his reps. But if you think in his mind that he's – picking up everything as far as playbook, as far as pass protection. And that's almost always the most important thing for a rookie. They almost always are terrible at pass protection. Right. They, they love to run the ball up and down the field, but they can't protect the quarterback to save their life. Yeah. But Booker has that down. Um, and that's something that you typically don't see, and I think that's going to really help them. So I think, you know, obviously we want to see games. We want to see what we can do. Practice can only show you so much. But I think they're impressed with what they've seen from Booker so far, and that makes the running back, the back end of that, even more intriguing because, you know, you see subtle signs. You see subtle things like you mentioned You mentioned Ronnie Hillman coming off the field um, on Sunday, and, and, and you look at him and he had a back injury, and we don't know how serious that was, but, you know, Kubiak moves on, looks at the next guy, and you have another guy. You, uh, to, to use an expression, you have other bullets in your pocket. You know, you don't have three bullets, and, you know, if one goes down, you have to go look out in the, in the pile for another one. You have five or six guys that are capable of making this roster. So if they're even, wouldn't you go with a guy that's, you know, more versatile on special teams, maybe a little younger, and you may have a little bit more unknown? And if you're comfortable with your your CJs and your bookers, yeah, right. And for 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 coaches who don't like to say anything, they'll talk, <laughs> but they don't like to say anything. Um, for Eric Studisville to say that he's confident enough in Booker right now to play, that says a lot. I mean, if you're if we're trying to look between the lines, um, I don't think we have to look between any lines. He gave us a line. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that that says a lot. Let's move let's move to a, another unit here real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, because they actually have one fewer running back in camp than they might normally, and they did that, I suspect, because they want one extra guy at wide receiver. Because, and we, and and we, you know, people say that the Broncos have the best defensive secondary secondary in in, in football, but their deepest position is wide receiver. I mean, they're they are stacked. No doubt. Um, Somebody's going to get cut from this roster who, who is a very good player. Right. I don't know who it, who it will be, but how do you see so far? Because it's very clear that it, it's 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 really amazing. Demaris Thomas, Manuel Sanders, clear number number one, number two, co number ones, whatever you want to say. Right. Um, and we'll get to them in a second. But after that, there are some players, um, and I'll mention a name here in a second because we each talked to him today, and he was very impressive. Right. But what do you what? How do you see the? How do you see wide receiver? Uh, shaping up at this point. Yeah, that's an interesting position. Um, you look at it, and I kind of look at cut day, um, kind of how I did in high school, um, where you look at a list and you look for your name. And I think there's going to be a few receivers that look there, and they're legitimately shocked yeah. that their name is not on that list. Like they felt like they played well enough to lock down a roster spot, and they probably did, but it's just a numbers game. 
and you look at their roster and uh, Kubiak has said that they may be forced to carry six receivers, um, which seems tough to believe it with the team that's having a fullback that's probably going to keep three tight ends and it's probably going to keep three other running backs you're going to have to go light somewhere else if you're keeping six receivers but that shows the depth and you mentioned obviously Sanders and Thomas are locks but behind that you've got a host of guys you got a Benny Fowler who came on strong last year and was basically their number three receiver you got a Jordan Norwood who played a lot of slot as well and as your number one slot uh, pump returner as of now um, and he's their speed guy and then you've got a Cody Latimer second round pick two years ago hasn't really shown a lot as a receiver but he's a special teams player and you may not want to give on give up on him just yet we saw Jordan Taylor make an Odell Beckham style catch uh, you know a few weeks a few days ago in camp you got a guy Marlon Brown that they just picked up from Baltimore 6'5 guy 214 pounds played with Kubiak in Baltimore and he really likes him he's a guy that can play special teams and is a red zone threat yeah. and we haven't even got to the college free agents yeah. the guy like that you were talking about Khalif Raymond oh, uh, yeah, yeah. who's really looked amazing out here he's yeah. made plays every day small guy but fast and speedy uh, Braylon Addison is another guy who's competing for that punt return receiver job you've got Paxton's old teammate Mose Frazier yeah uh, um, it, it, there's a lot of names out here. Man, you just went. It's amazing because I, I mean, I know what we're talking about. I led you into the question, but just hearing you list off the, it, take, it took you 15 minutes to get through all the names. <laughs> and um, and honestly, from what I've seen so far, all of the, all of those, all of them are are difficult cuts. I, I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, for 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 names that that maybe aren't familiar for casual fans right. um i've been very impressed most frazier is has has been excellent so far in camp and then like you mentioned cleef raymond today on a on a deep seam route like if you see him on tv this is funny if you see if if somebody if you if a fan doesn't make it out to training camp and they watch the first preseason game and you see cleef raymond on tv and you're like how's a guy so short in the nfl well today we saw <laughs> he he ran a he ran a seam route. He he like I don't even know how to explain it. He sort of like ducked under under the corner, right? And like <laughs> he he like wriggled up under him and made a, a, an amazing catch, yeah. like diving catch. He doesn't need to be out jumping guys for balls. He can just squirm his way to a catch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's very fast. I I asked him today, who's the fastest guy on the team, and is he up there? He said he deferred because he's a rookie and he knows he can't be saying he's the fastest guy on the team on uh, you know in the first week of camp. But smart move. But yeah, very smart move. The uh, but um, he might be up there as one of the fastest dudes on the team. Um, I haven't seen him take very many punts yet. I don't know if you have because that'll be another thing that he'll need to be able to do. Because if you're a down list receiver, you're gonna you're gonna have to be doing some like we said other things on special teams. But. Um, I think I think for for receivers, and this is a question for you here, Cameron. I mean, I think we have to start at the top and say who is absolutely indispensable, and clearly there are two who are. After that, um, I don't see any way they can they can part ways with Benny Fowler. Yeah. He's he. I mean, like you said, we saw it last year, and then this year he just looks so, he just looks solid. Yeah, yeah. I think Benny has been their most consistent guy every day in training camp yeah. that I've seen. Any um, position. I any position. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the best thing that you can say about a receiver, he catches everything that yeah. comes his way. Yeah. Um, and he's a big guy. 
He's uh he's 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 plays really well special teams. That's really how he made his name last year. And he's really has a chance to emerge and be that clear number three, which has been missing in the Broncos offense the last couple of years. Obviously they've had DT. Obviously they've had Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. They were hopeful that Latimer would be that number three when they drafted him. He hasn't had that role. But Fowler has really showed up and, and been that really virtual number three. And last year he had an injury that kind of took him out of the his flow and that really kind of took him out of his groove. But he had a pretty solid year, and I, he caught Peyton Manning's last <laughs> last touchdown. Right. Um, I think he is about as close of a lock yeah. as you can get. You know, obviously things can change, injuries, performance, but I think he's as close of a lock as you can get, and that pretty much gives you three. And then you have to decide if they keep six, yeah. there's three other spots open. If they keep six, they could always yeah. go with five. If they keep six, there's another spot open, and you almost have to say that one of them has to go to their punt return. Yeah. Um, whether that's Jordan Norwood, who was the punt returner last year and had the special teams, uh, made the special teams record for most punt return times in the Super Bowl, yeah. um, and also actually played pretty well as a receiver too. The guy that you mentioned that's played really well, Khalif Raymond, yeah. who's also competing for that job. Um, he did have a couple bobbles, um, punt return snaps on Sunday, so he'll have to clean that up. Um, but from what we've seen and what we've heard from the coaching staff, he's a fearless returner. He's done that well at in college and small college Holy Cross. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he's a guy who's a long shot, but it's still a shot. Yeah. A long shot is still a shot. And if you keep yeah. collecting days, if your name keeps getting mentioned, then you get towards the end of camp and coach is like, hey, we got to keep this guy. Yeah. Every day I came out here, he made me turn my head. Yeah. And that's really how you get a guy come out from nowhere and make the roster. So if he continues to do that, you know, there's no reason why he can't beat out a Jordan Norwood um, for that spot. And you got a Braylon Addison who also, you know, obviously preseason games are going to come in big on how these guys are looked at. But he's a guy that's fighting for that too. And I really see them fighting for one spot. Those three guys, whoever wins that battle will probably get one spot. And then you look at the last two spots and it's a bunch of big guys. Yeah. you got Marlon Brown, as we've mentioned, the 6'5 guy, mm -hmm. who I think has a very good chance of making this team. He just got picked up on last Wednesday. But, you know, yeah. he's a guy that Kubiak has appraised and knows him. And the system's not too difficult for him. And every time we look up, he's catching the ball. Yeah. And he plays special teams, which is important for the secondary receivers. Mm -hmm. And then you've got him, I believe, Jordan Taylor, yeah. who we mentioned earlier, and Cody Latimer probably fighting for two spots. Right. Um, so who's gonna be who's gonna be the the guy that gets their feelings hurt? Yeah. Who's gonna be the guy? Is it, is it Jordan Taylor who who was on the practice squad last year, who's making all these yeah. these Superman catches, or is it one of the the veterans, a Latimer or a Brown? The uh I think I might be rooting for Khalif Raymond just so that we can say that somebody from Holy Cross is playing <laughs> playing in the NFL. But uh, and, and also he's a great quote, which uh, which I can never which I can never dispose of. But um, yeah, I mean, and and to be harsh about it, because somebody's going to have to go if there's somebody on the outs. And I say this with a caveat because he's a training camp player. He he shows up for training camp and. And he, he's somebody who always looks good in camp. But if there's somebody who's on the outs, I think it's got to be Cody Latimer. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm saying that early with not a whole ton of evidence so far. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely in flux. But 
It'll be interesting. No, I think you're saying something that fans have asked for for at least the last year or so. Like, what's going on with Cody? Is this a make or break year for him? Can he make it? And and the ideal thing is you want to give your draft picks a chance. Former second round pick. He's been in the league for two years. But if you've been in the league for two years and he's got maybe 10 catches, that's not a great sign. He's obviously a great special teams player. He's made his name on that. But at some point, You've got to make your name as a receiver. And, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily ready to be cut yet, but if it comes down to it, you know, I don't think the Broncos are fearful of, you know, cutting a guy who's their drafted guy. They did it for Monte Ball last year. The whole question on Monte Ball was, you can't cut a guy like this because he he was your drafted guy. You drafted him in the third round. You you put all these resources in him. you got to at least give him every chance you can get. But in the new age NFL, if there's a guy that's better than you at a receiver and better than you at special teams, I don't care where you're drafted. Yeah. He's going to make the roster over you. Yeah. So that, that decision is going to come down to, you know, who they be- think their best five or six is. And I don't think draft position or, or money yeah. will really have a, a, a lasting impact. The one thing I will say about Latimer, and he's got a preseason to prove himself, he looks good in camp. Yeah. And uh, he's made a, a couple. Always does. Yeah. He always looks good in camp. Yeah. The previous year, he looks good in camp. He beat Bradley Roby quite a few times um, on Sunday on go routes. Yeah. And he's not even like a speedy, speedy guy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Bradley's our number three guy. So you look at him, and he's got the talent. You just hope that he puts it together on the field yeah. and gives you that production. So it's going to be some really, really tough competition. Um, you know, injuries always happen, and these things always seem to work themselves all out. But, you know, as of now, I don't know how the coaches make this choice. Yeah, yeah. No, no yeah, right. They're going to have to look pretty close to find separation between some of these guys. What, Cameron, so far in camp, what's the coolest thing you've seen? The coolest thing I've seen? Um... There was that catch down there. That was a one-handed catch. That was that's highlight worthy. That probably that probably was it. I mean, uh, <laughs> I was really uh, uh, sad that that wasn't our shooting period, so we couldn't get actual video. We had to rely on the Broncos and, and the fans to, to to see that. But that was an amazing catch. It happened probably about five feet away from me. Yeah. And and Taylor really put his hand all the way back. It seemed like about as far as he could yeah. and grabbed that. And I talked to him. Uh, after that catch and he was really uh, describing it and he really didn't have an explanation he was just kind of like it was a natural reaction yeah. he, he probably couldn't do it again if he tried <laughs> was it was he wearing gloves he might have oh, okay right. he was I he thanked his gloves as every receiver should do yeah. they're precious entities right. uh, he thanked his gloves first and he may have got away with a little bit of an offensive push off yeah. but hey yeah. you know that's that's an insignificant detail yeah, yeah. that that catch is is you know and we talk, we joked about it you know Kubiak's gonna have to have a long explainer if Jordan Taylor doesn't make the team, because you basically release Odell Beckham, because yeah. uh, he made that sort of grab. Uh, but you know, I think that was a really, really cool moment. Um, I think Sunday when we got to full pads, um, that was really intriguing. Because you know, as a guy that loves football, you you love seeing true football in its purest form. Yeah. And this is about as close as you can get to, to game action where they're hitting. You saw a few scuffles that yeah. we talked about early. You saw guys getting intense, yeah. and you really see you know, although you're a team. You're fighting for position. You're fighting for battle. And this is where training camp really gets gritty. And you might be my buddy that we walk in on the field, but if if you throw a forearm at me, you're going to catch one back. And I I like that back and forth. And I I love every day when they do the one-on-one DBs versus Uh receivers. Um, You see the, 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 the bravado between receivers and DBs. You see them jawing yeah. for position. And if somebody gets beat, you know, I'm sure they let them know all day. Like, hey, man, 
I beat you on that go route or hey, I picked you off or knocked that down. Yeah. Um, so I love to see those one-on-one -on -one battles. It puts the DBs at a, a disadvantage, but when they win one, they, they definitely celebrate it. One of the coolest things I saw, well, maybe not coolest, but one of the funniest things I saw was TJ Ward totally undress a referee <laughs> <laughs> on a seven-on-seven -seven drill because he wanted he wanted a, an interference call. He wasn't even playing. He wasn't even in the play. He came yeah. off the sideline like, come on, man. It's like, dude. Erling Camp, it's a seven-on-seven -seven drill. You can give the referee a break. Yeah, yeah, I saw that as as well. He he was getting the bet day off, yeah. and he he basically said, "You flag happy over here, ref." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, TJ is definitely standing up for his fellow DBs. Yeah. Um, and he's always going to be TJ. Yeah. You know, whether he's in pads, whether he's out of pads, whether it's a game or whether it's practice, and that's that's the identity of his defense. Right. We're gonna talk. We're gonna hit you, and we're gonna be ourselves. Right. And I think that's what truly makes them exciting to cover. Yeah. Yeah, no, right. And it'll be exciting camp, too. There's lots of stuff. Man, we didn't even touch QBs. <laughs> we, we had a whole first podcast and didn't talk. Who who, who, who are the quarterbacks? I don't even – I don't – I, I got to look back at the roster because I don't even know who's on this team anymore. But, uh, no, the uh, – yeah, no, I mean, there's lots of, lots of interesting stuff here to come with camp. Long way to go still. Yeah, long way to go. A lot more conversations. Uh, we're about to – we're a little we're a little over a week away from games, yeah. uh, so we'll kind of get into that nitty gritty and see how that breaks down. Uh, but you know, it's always always fun to see what storyline comes up next because there's never enough storylines. What player okay. jumps out in the field, and that's what you love to see. The stars are going to be the stars, yeah. but seeing the camp, the camp phenoms are really what 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 drives training camp and, and keeps us going. Yeah, no, and it's and if anybody's out there worried about you know like oh man we haven't decided on on a running back hierarchy or a wide receiver hierarchy, I meant to me this is good. If it seems like the roster's unsettled, maybe I, maybe it's a writer talking because mm -hmm. I like I like stuff to write about. But man, it's way better to be talking about wide receivers and running backs than who's going to be like the backup long snapper. <laughs> or so what you know exactly the backup long snapper got released, yeah, right, so we exactly. don't at least have to worry about that battle. Yeah. We just got to worry about the punter battle at least down the line after we get done, you know, the, the important stuff. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, and then we'll get there eventually. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Cameron, thanks. We'll uh, we'll uh, come right back here on the uh, First and Orange podcast. Podcast, the first first in orange podcast. Nick Groke at the Denver Post here with Nikki Jabala, aka Nikki Jobs. Nikki, we are at the Valley. Cameron and I just talked about everything except quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So I think we should talk about the quarterbacks. Oh, we should. I think they're pretty important. <laughs> so, apparently, apparently, it's a big deal this season. Somebody, um, somebody at some point determined that the quarterback should be an important position in the game of football but so there are three quarterbacks i have i have an impression so far mm -hmm. but i am not going to share that impression until oh, i hear tell, tell. because i want to hear your impression first what have you seen so far just just brief i mean i'm gonna i'm, I'm asking for you to be brief but really there isn't a lot of a lot to really talk about so far. I mean, I, I think it can't be overstated that it is just day five of camp, right? Yeah. So these guys are going through team drills, individual drills, 
you get to see what their strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, if you watch Paxton Lynch, you can see what he's trying to work on with his footwork. You can see it's quite not quite as smooth as, you know, Mark Sanchez, but, um, you know, they're all going through the same motions. Uh, to me, Mark Sanchez is the number one right now based primarily on his experience, but he also looks more comfortable out there. Um, Trevor Simeon looks really good. I would not count him out of this at all, um, but I think experience alone and the fact that Mark Sanchez really got a lot of players together for off-season workouts. I mean, he had um, groups of receivers, um, some of his running backs out at USC, I think twice. They also worked out uh, near his hometown once during the offseason. So he really made an effort to build a rapport with those guys. Um, and, and, and not to interrupt, but on the flip side, Trevor Simeon did not. He worked with right. – he worked a little – it wasn't that he didn't work, but he did not work specifically with the Broncos receivers. Uh, yeah, not not on his own, not away from the facility, um, kind of like Mark did. I think he tried to get um, some some of the guys to join him in Chicago, but it just didn't it didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, but he was part of the group that went out to California once. Um, and Paxton – Paxton's improving. I mean – I don't. Kubiak doesn't lie. That's a great thing about his press conferences. He's actually very honest about what he sees. Um, I think sometimes you have to read between the lines on is he is he trying to motivate another player when he's saying this, but he is honest. Um, and you can see changes in Paxson. He looks more comfortable. He's connecting on deep throws, but you know immediately after doing that, he may still throw a pick. So. He's coming along. I, I still think Sanchez, it, it's his job to lose right now. I would agree. It's funny because um, at training camp, if you were wondering why if you were wondering why I was avoiding you, it's on purpose. I try to, I'm trying to be in a different part of the field during training camp than you are. I was wondering that, <laughs> and I was a little offended. <laughs> no, you weren't. I sad. No, <laughs> because I do this, but I, because, well, there's two, there's two and a half fields. For people who've never been to Devout, there's two and a yeah. So like there are a lot of, th and they move around a lot. So you could, you, it's easy to miss something. So I try to get where you aren't, yeah. and I think I've seen different things than you have because I think my impression of the quarterbacks is a little bit more negative. I they have not been especially impressive. There are moments when Paxton Lynch, Paxton Lynch throws a deep ball very well. He has a strong arm. But if he's a winged Pegasus up top, he's a mm -hmm. he's a donkey down below because his footwork is is very stiff. Yeah. Um, Mark Sanchez, very good timing yeah. on short routes, but then long passes he lets he gets a little loosey goosey. But I'm I don't know I'm to me. But if I'm if I'm noticing different things than you are, I think we're coming to the same conclusion. Yeah, it's, it's clearly Mark Sanchez. Yeah. It's Mark Sanchez is in the lead, but across the board, there's total inconsistency. I mean, there was the other day, their first full day of pads, I mean, everybody on the sideline was ooing and eyeing over over these deep balls, but, you know, on the next play, they would have these picks, and it was just, it was like they were operating in extremes. Um, but the trend is moving upward. You can see them getting better. It's just, you know, you don't see the same level of control that you saw for years with Peyton Manning, and, you know, you're not going to replace Peyton, but... It, it is it is noticeable, but I don't. You you asked straight up. You asked Darrell Davis today, "Is Mark Sanchez going to be the QB?" And he looked at you and he paused. Like, I mean, he wa he wasn't being a jerk, but he was like, "That's yeah. a dumb question because this yeah. is." He said to him, "It's very clear." Yeah, yeah. 
And I, and I agree with him, really. Um, I think that experience is something that can't be replicated on this, on this field. I mean, Trevor Simeon knows the playbook, but he, his only NFL contribution was a kneel down against Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Paxton obviously is, is getting used to all of it still. So, um, you know, Mark's much more proven. Um, but, you know, there's still questions for sure. Oh, there are plenty of questions and a whole camp to answer them. Um, defensively, mm-hmm. uh, they've lost Malik Jackson. Mm-hmm. But, they, I mean, it's the best defense in the NFL. I mean, there's no I – mean, they did not drop off, really. I know it's early. It's early still. I'm always going to throw out that qualifier. But, wow. I mean – that secondary, that secondary was tops in the league in my mind um, after last season, and it seems like they got deeper. I mean, the arrival of Justin Simmons. I'm curious to see if Will Parks makes this team if he stays. Um, well, he'll make the team, but you know, kind of what his his role is. That secondary is stout, and and when the defense is out here, they go full throttle. They don't yeah. take it easy on the offense, which is fun to see, but it it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, they're. Your edge rushers, that group is intact. You can see Shane Rain and Shaq Barrett coming along. Um, DeMarcus hasn't been out there yet because of the back injury, but the depth is still there. Um, inside, uh, you know, what, what have you seen from Todd Davis? I, I Apparently Todd Davis is Vaughn Miller's cousin, but everybody's related to Vaughn Miller if you ask him. But, um, no, I mean, it's funny because they haven't gotten real physical yet, but even then, yeah. Zaire Anderson completely lit Ronnie Hillman the other day. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Like they're they, it's like hard for them to hold back. It's it's almost funny to watch. But um, the most I mean to me the most interesting thing so far is because is that I mean De- Demarcus Ware is here, mm-hmm. and he's talking, mm-hmm. and everybody listens to him when he talks because he's Demarcus Ware, right. um, and he will he will not give up his voice in the locker room for sure. But mm-hmm. he hasn't put pads on yet, <clears throat> and now is the year. Now is the year for Shane Ray to step up at yeah. weak side linebacker, and he's done so far. He, gra- he grabbed Demar- Demaris Thomas is not a small guy. No. They, there was a little dinky dump-off pass to DT today, and uh, Shane Ray grabbed him with one with one hand on the shoulders and just ripped him to the ground. It was uh, – that was strong. Yeah. No, Shane is enormous this <laughs> season. Enormous. I mean, he sprouted muscles I didn't know existed. Uh, yeah. He's put on weight. I, he knows that as a first-round draft pick last year – um, the state of DeMarcus Ware, even last year, you know, DeMarcus is coming near the end of his, you know, his contract, pro- probably also his career maybe. Um, you know, last year was a development year. This year could really be a big year for him to kind of step in and, you know, probably start if they're going to use DeMarcus Ware on situational downs. But, you know, this is his time. Shaq stepped up too. Shaq, um, yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely one to keep – to keep an eye on um i think mark demarcus and vaughn have really helped him along it's it's kind of cool to see when you see a guy take that leap you know yeah and if you're looking for um players to model your game after if you're a young linebacker in the nfl vaughn miller and um, demarcus yeah, not, Ware are probably not yeah that's not I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if that's your role model sure go with it yeah that's that's good um anyway uh linky what's the best what eh, not the best what's the weirdest coolest whatever most memorable thing you've seen at camp so far anything that's like mm. strange funny i mean the kid i mean for some for a kid who broke his arm he was so <laughs> happy to have a broken wrist <laughs> he was so <laughs> brandon mcmanus kicks a field goal 
kid and like into the crowd and this 12 year she's 12 years old right 12 was he that old 10, 10? 10 years old tried to catch it like yeah. good effort but he broke yeah. his wrist yeah yeah grant thornham of denver 10 year old from denver he was here at broncos camp on friday he was with his campers they were sitting on the grassy berm and Brandon McManus was kicking field goals into the stands just to, you know, have some fun with the crowd. And Grant said he, he leapt forward trying to trying to just touch the ball. He didn't even want to catch it. And it, he bent his wrist back. It was a little swollen. Next day they find out he has a pretty solid fracture there. <laughs> so the kid shows up to camp on Sunday in an orange cast with blue under, yeah. of course. Um and has never been so excited to have a fractured bone in his body. Um, we got to tell Coach Kubiak and Brandon McManus all about it afterwards, yeah, and that was yeah. fun. If you – let this be a lesson. <laughs> if you want to meet an NFL kicker, all you have to do is break, break your something. arm. Yeah. Anyway, um, Nikki, there's lots of stuff to come up to still to figure out at Broncos training camp, and a long time still to do it. We're going to be talking about f- practice football games here There's really soon. There's going to be so much football coming up <laughs> and a lot of football players. There's 90 of those guys. There are 90 players still at Dove Valley, and uh, they're all fighting for very few limited spots on the roster. And we'll be – let's do this again real soon. We'll talk about all the people who are fighting for positions and whatnot. Awesome. Uh, that'll be it for the first The first First in Orange podcast and many more to come very soon. Uh, Keep an eye out at denverpost.com slash broncos.